0: Hello, welcome to the Self-Learning Podcast by Dr. Shushma Singh. Let us start discussion on Unit 22, Sustainable Development and Challenges to Decentralized Governance. And our topic is interlinkage between sustainable development and governance. The National Human Development Report 2001 states that governance for human development relates to the management of all such processes that in any society define the environment which permits and enables individuals to raise their capacity levels on one hand and provide opportunities to realize their potential and enlarge the set of available choices on the other. The report also reiterates that the state is responsible for c- creating a favorable political legal and economic environment for building individual capabilities and encouraging private initiatives governance therefore requires the states to exercise their powers through various designated bodies and pursue the sad goals through an equitable, socially sensitive, non-discriminatory and participatory approach involving people at large. The most important factor is the accountability of the state in governance, while the western countries have successfully incorporated this in their governance. The state accountability in India is more or less negligible. The relevance of good governance policies and strategies is lost when the state accountability factor is uncared for and does not mirror the aspirations of the population of a nation. The governance for sustainable governance should include an integrated approach of economic and environmental concerns in the development strategy, keeping in view not only the quality of life that has to be offered to its citizens, but also an equal distribution of it with social equity as its goal. Governance should also safeguard a citizen's right to develop simultaneously holding the environmental concerns at a high pedestal. The prerequisites towards achieving this goal include democracy, autonomy, fairness, interdependence, responsibility, and accountability. A government should incorporate these qualities before it formulates its policies and programs for betterment of a society. There are many virtues related to the above-mentioned prerequisites. A democratic government has various mechanisms and institutions that confer certain fundamental rights to the citizens to participate in the system. The development choices should be determined by the people and government together with a certain degree of autonomy. The resources of the planet need to be sustained and shared in an equitable manner. The disparities that are in vogue need to be reduced by taking up anti-poverty measures and educating people. A considerable degree of fairness should operate where the resources can be left unutilized for the future generations. With an increasing level of globalization, there should be interdependence between the nations in terms of technology transfer, providing assistance towards development projects, and also extending cooperation. This should extend beyond local, regional and territorial borders so that the common peoples are amicably settled. It is a responsibility of every citizen to preserve and protect the environment and to achieve development without harming the interest of fellow citizens. The government is also equally responsible for controlling the damage to the environment wherever necessary and impose stringent measures to prevent any loss to the natural habitat. Every nation is a stakeholder in the global environment and is entitled to sharing the common benefits. It is also accountable to the damages caused intentional or unintentional and is liable to pay compensation in case of occurrence of such incidences. Therefore, every nation is a custodian of the natural environment in its own capacity. Now, let us move to the next point sustainable development in urban and rural areas. Some of the fundamental principles that characterize sustainable development are conservation of natural resources and biological diversity, deterrence of harmful effects on environment, integration of environment and economy, training and awareness programs on environmental protection, cooperative and participatory approach. Thus, there is a predestined link between the governance and sustainable development. There is a need to integrate the dynamics of society, ecology, and economy through the use of environmentally compatible technologies. Above all, there is a need to sustain development in urban and rural areas by providing basic amenities and good standard of living. Despite an effort towards good decentralized governance via Panchayati Raj institutions, there exists a denial of basic needs of food, water and shelter to substantial proportion of the population. Many an efforts has remained ineffective due to delay in governmental support and lack of initiatives. The provision of basic amenities, good standard of living and income generation is a crucial aspect of good governance. Even in states where the development is said to be on an increasing level, there are instances of poor governance that have widened the gaps in terms of human development. Now, let us discuss the point basic amenities, food, shelter and clothing are basic amenities for a good life and it is the government's responsibility to provide them to its citizens. This should be applicable in both rural and urban areas alike. This is also termed as the human development and extends to providing health care, sanitation facilities and eliminating poverty. The United Nations has even brought out a concept paper on Millennium Development Goals that aims at realizing the goals of decent standards of living to the population all over the world within a set period of time. The process of globalization did bestow certain benefits on various nations including India, but it is disheartening to note that many of these benefits have not reached many scheduled sections of the society. Many of the poor are still going without a square meal a day and are often rendered shelterless due to displacement and occurrence of natural calamities. The ruler women often go as far as 10 to 15 kilometers to fetch water. The villagers also travel more than 15 kilometers for the nearest health care center. They are also prone to unhygienic conditions of living and contagious diseases. They are often compelled to indulge in environmentally destructive activities for means of livelihood. The situation in urban areas is no better with many people living in urban slums majority of this population consists of those who might have migrated from their native villages or towns to cities in search of a livelihood. As such, it is a burden on the urban bodies to provide continuous power supply or water or even a better transport to their population. The migrants, especially the labor class, are the ones who suffer the most. The local governments find it difficult to manage resources to provide the people basic facilities. Without these amenities, an indigenous right to well-being and sustenance are eroded. This is a clear evidence of mismatched equations where people's potential does not match with the resources available as per social indicators. Now, the next point is reduction of poverty and good standard of living. Good standard of living more or less implies the reduction of poverty. While the reduction or elimination of poverty is part of millennium development goals, the measures toward integrating the environment and sustainable development in poverty reduction program are vital for decentralized governance. A good standard of living is determined in terms of a higher income level and attainment of a higher average life expectancy, higher literacy, and a higher value as per Human Development Index. This progress automatically leads to an increasing level of gross national product which in turn makes an impact on higher public expenditure and lower poverty levels. Thus, the process is roundabout and interlinked. The poverty reduction measures need more initiatives from the government side. Its efficacy lies in taking up key public-oriented beneficial actions policy changes and institutional reforms these should be prepared in a participatory mode involving people at all levels but there should be a clear-cut distinction of these goals from materialistic affluence which of late is seen as an essential characteristics of a decent standard of living. Now, the next point is income generation. As has been stated earlier, there are gross inequalities between the urban and rural areas in terms of development, a substantial number of people are living below poverty level. The sustainable development becomes all the more important in the rural sector. What options can a government give to its population to earn their livelihood? What are the schemes it can undertake to generate income? The urban areas are seen as potential income generators with the concentration of many engineering, heavy metal, garment and software industry to name a few. While urban areas are preferred for their industrial base and technical opportunities, the rural areas are left with few options and that too without implementation strategies. Though agriculture is is a predominant occupation in rural areas, not enough measures has been taken to revitalize the sector for commercial purposes, and where the measures were taken, there continues to be undue exploitation of the natural wealth. The resultant effect is the mass migration of people from rural to urban areas. This has created severe crisis in terms of providing job opportunities and generating sufficient levels of income. The wide variety of natural resources was put under severe constraint for meeting the livelihood needs, though varied efforts regarding sustainable development have been undertaken. Not enough income was generated to meet the required needs. Now let us wind up the session and thank you very much for engaging yourself with the self-learning podcast.